Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. I really think that um, all problems in the world today, all the terrorism that we just witnessed three or four days ago, all of the, the tragedies that we witness in just this uh, just this last few days. And this and today we find out the parents uh, of this child not far from here that um, that that killed their child, a five year old. Like what would make people do that? They're sick emotionally. And I'm not saying they're sick emotionally. And so we give them an excuse or give them a pass. I'm saying the world is sick emotionally and they're going to keep doing evil things if we don't if we don't learn how to be healthy emotionally and learn how to pass that on to others. So whatever you whatever you carry in your life is what you're going to spread. And think about it. You know, healthy relationships start with the person. It starts with the person who's healthy themselves, like a happy person. You don't mind being in a friendship with a happy person that's generous and kind and loving. Come on, help me now. That's the in fact, you avoid other people that aren't like that. That's why your circle is so small of your friends, right? Because there's not a lot of people like that. But anybody, everybody wants to be the friend of somebody who's always smiling, somebody who's always happy, somebody who's who's always generous and who's always giving, who's always kind. Everybody wants to be connected to that person. What, where does that person come from? That person is not born that way. That person is a byproduct of having somehow, some way navigated through the the damage of their life and found healing in the major areas of their life. And that's why they're healthy. And either they weren't damaged at all or they navigated through to a place of healing. Most of us are damaged when we by the time we're 20, by the time we're 30, 40 years old, we have all sorts of damage and God continually heals. And healing is a progressive work of Jesus Christ in our lives. And if we don't learn how to tap into that, we're not going to be very good to ourselves. We're not going to be very good to people. We're not going to be very good to society. We won't know how to how to deal with uh, when people do crazy things and people do evil things that are the result of the illness of their mind and their soul and the damage and the brokenness of their soul and their emotions. Nobody who's healthy and right minded does things like what we've witnessed over the last few days around the world and in our own community. Nobody does crazy things if they're not in their soul deeply disturbed and deeply damaged. And many Christians are on the verge of acting out out of their damage, maybe not in the same way or to the same degree, hopefully not in the same way or to the same degree. But we, our relationships are going to be damaged if our soul continues to stay in an unhealthy condition, if our soul continues to be unhappy, if our soul continues to be um, sick, if our soul continues to be um, to, to be fragmented. And like Jesus, when he like you've heard me talk about the man that had the legion of demons and after Jesus administered to him, the Bible says he was he was clothed and in his right mind. And that's what we want to get everybody to that place where we're clothed and in our right mind, where we're where we're not 
exhibiting the the physical manifestation of the nakedness of our soul, the physical manifestation of the brokenness of our soul, the physical manifestation of the damage of our soul and the emotional manifestation of the damage of our soul, which shows up in our it's like I said, it shows up in our relationships, it shows up in our health, it shows up in our in our personal just your alone time. Like, think about it. It went, you know, you, you you no matter what kind of status you are, married, single, divorced, uh, whatever, whatever your status is relationally right now, everybody goes to sleep alone. They might not go to bed alone, but they go to sleep alone and everybody has to close their eyes and live with themselves. And you got to learn to be happy with yourself and you got to learn to be content in your soul like Paul was when he said, I've learned the secret of contentment. And this is what I want to talk to you about when I talk about healing. I don't ever want it to be just limited to physical because that's very one dimensional. And yet Jesus heals people physically and Jesus has provided for healing physically and everyone that came to him that was sick, everyone that touched him was healed physically and everyone he touched was healed physically. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So he is by all means our healer. Come on. Are you with me on that? However, having said that, physical healing is not the only dimension of healing that Jesus provides. And as I told you last time we were together and I want to mention it again, there are three primary areas of healing that God wants to bring into your life. He wants to heal us physically. He wants to heal us of physical illnesses and diseases. He wants to heal us of physical symptoms, chronic symptoms, physical pain of any kind. He is the healer and he wants to heal us in our bodies. Uh, He bore our sicknesses and carried our infirmities and with his stripes were healed. So we know that he and we know scripture after scripture where Jesus healed people physically. But he also heals people. That's dimension number one. But dimension number two is he heals us in our hearts or our souls. We'd see that in Luke chapter four, verse 18, that Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. The Bible says and everybody was poor without the gospel. Everybody's poor without the gospel. He doesn't mean he's preaching when it says he came to preach. He was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He's not talking about people that don't have money. He's talking about people that don't have God because the greatest poverty in the world is being in a life without God. That is the ultimate poverty in this life. Separation from God is the number one source, number one definition and source of all poverty is being separated from God. Okay, are you hearing this now? I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't care for the poor or that Jesus doesn't have solutions for the poor. He certainly does the the physically poor or the economically poor. God provides ways and God provides for the poor in many ways, in many different ways. We won't get into that today. But the poor he's talking about here when it says that he he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor is anybody that has not yet heard the gospel is the poor. And therefore, the gospel is for everybody. And the gospel is the solution to the greatest need of all mankind. And that is spiritual poverty, being in this world without God, being in a life without God, being separated from God is the greatest loneliness. It is the greatest emptiness. It is the greatest um, poverty that could exist in humanity, in the universe. Okay, so uh, so he comes to preach the gospel and and rescue lost souls. That's the first thing he comes to do. Being born again is of 
the first and utmost importance, because no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So you have to have a new birth that starts with just accepting Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord, believing in his substitutionary death, burial and resurrection. And once you accept him as your savior and as your Lord, it is his blood and it is only his blood that causes you to become born again and gives God gives you a new spirit. He gives you a new spirit and you are born again, a recreated new creature. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. But have you ever noticed that the old things haven't really passed away, even though the Bible says the old things have passed away? Why is it that it seems like a contradiction? It says in Second Corinthians, Chapter five, seventeen, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. And yet the old things haven't passed away. You still think like you did. You still act like you did. You still have the same appetites that you did. You still look exactly the same. So true. Clearly, you have all things have not passed away. Ugly has not passed away. Come on, help me now. Oh, I'm just just teasing. But you understand the point. The point is, is that he's saying he's talking about spiritual things. He's talking about all things spiritual, all of the things that you've done all the sins that you've committed, all of the all of the guilt, all of the sins, all of the judgment, all of the punishment that was coming your way because of your own sins that has passed away. All those things, all those old things, who you used to be, the person in your spirit that you used to be has passed away. Your sins have passed away. The judgment for your sins has passed away. Are you with me? That's what's passed away. And that's what the new things have come. The new things that have come are who you now are in Christ. Now that you're born again, what hasn't passed away are your memories and your scars and the pain that you felt and the offenses that you carried and the desires that you have and the warped perspectives that you carry and the damage of your in your soul that you have, because God does not give us a new soul. He gives us a new heart or a new spirit. Excuse me. It's interchangeable with heart in the Bible, but it's really a new spirit because we're made up of spirit, soul and body. And sometimes when the Bible talks about heart, he's talking about your soul. And sometimes when he's when he uses the word heart, he's talking about your spirit. So you can only understand which one he's referring to based on the context that the particular scripture is talking about. Are you with me still? OK, because I know, I know I'm with some Bible students here tonight. I know I know I'm with some people that really care about what the Bible has to say. Right. And it's very important that we that we understand the things in context. So when the Bible talks about the in the next verse we're going to get to, he he said he has anointed me. The Holy Spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor and to heal the brokenhearted. Now, he's not talking about the new born again heart because your new born again heart cannot get broken. Your new born again heart is your new born again spirit. But the word here, when he says in Luke 418, he's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. That's where he's talking about the actual um, is that um, can you guys I don't know if that we have that scripture. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted. And maybe you guys can find that in the New King James Version. Maybe the New American Standard doesn't have it written like that. But the point is, and I, I want you to see that because that's exactly what he came to do to heal the brokenhearted. The very first thing that he does after saving us is he goes to work in our heart. 
He goes to work in our soul. The ministry of Jesus is the ministry to your inner soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. You've heard me say it this way. I've broken down the soul like this. The soul is the mind to think, the heart to feel and the will to decide. Your soul consists of those three parts, the the mind to think, the heart to feel and the will to decide. Now, now let's think about this for a moment, because you think, what does this have to do with what's with our world today or my needs or your life or your family or your what you need in your life today? It has everything. It has everything to do with what you need in your life today. It has everything to do with what's going on in the world today, because if your soul consists of your mind to think, your heart to feel and your will to choose or your will to decide, then everything that happens in this world, everything has to do with the condition of your soul. And if the condition of your soul is damaged, you're going to have damaged thoughts that are going to lead to damaged feelings that are going to cause damaged decisions. And then guess what happens? You and everybody you come in contact with is is comes more under the attack of the damage that Adam and Eve perpetrated and perpetuated when they sinned and sent sin into the soul of man. And that though Jesus comes to give us a new a new spirit, he does not give us a new soul because to give you a new soul would cause you to lose everything about your personality, everything about your memory, everything about your uh, your 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 motor skills and your ability to use a fork. And somebody needs to say, amen, thank God he doesn't. Maybe some people are like, I wish he would have taken that away from me. Dear God. Okay, well, all right. Everybody's going to be all right. But the point is, is that is that that the soul cannot be made new because we we would become infants. So what he does is he renews our soul. He restores our soul. He heals our soul through a progressive work of the renewing of our mind. And we are transformed, as Romans 12, two says, by the renewing of our minds. Uh, Then what happens is then your thoughts are filled with peace. Your heart is filled with health and your decisions are filled with wisdom. That's what happens when your soul is healthy and when you allow the process of the restoring of your soul or the healing of your soul. So what are we talking about? We're talking about how healing is the children's bread and as children of God, we have every right to healing in all these three areas of our lives. I talked about two of them so far. I'm going to zero in on the second one and the third one primarily tonight, but none of them are outside of your reach. They are all available to you. And all you need to do is access them by by identifying, Okay, which one is which one can I grab a hold of and simply receive by faith and which one is something that is a process. And it's really simple when it comes to the the physical healing and 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 the 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 manifestation of delivery and healing from pain or healing from disease or sickness. That's something that Jesus paid for in his blood for you to now access by faith. You can access that at any time you choose to. And what prohibits that sometimes or what limits us from experiencing that is either a lack of knowledge or we don't really know what the scripture says or we don't really believe it. We've listened to lies of the devil that tell us, oh, no, no, God's not a healer. And if he wasn't a healer, then why are there doctors? If he wasn't a he- if you didn't believe that, God- if you didn't believe that God was a healer, why would you ever see a doctor? The only reason you see a doctor is because you are you have a mindset and you have a belief that there's something wrong 
that somebody can help you remedy. Well, that somebody that's going to help you remedy is going to is that somebody that's going to help you remedy that is somebody that has accessed knowledge that maybe you haven't accessed. And that's why it's very important that we study and we research. And that's why we can we can thank God for um, the, the online community and access to the, to the to all the information that we have when used right. You can discover things and research things and find out ways to recover that even a doctor wouldn't have necessarily told you because doctors learn a certain method. And there are other ways that God brings healing that isn't limited to physical medicine. That's nothing. I'm not, I'm not preaching against physical medicine, but I'm not. But what I'm saying is, why would we limit ourselves to one way of accessing healing when God has provided so many ways? It's sort of when you get a hold of uh, and this really I got to back up for a moment, because what this really reflects is the goodness of God. And what this really points to is the goodness of God, that he's provided so many different ways to healing and he's provided so many different paths to get better. And it's when I think about the scriptures, people have asked me all the time, well, you know, when you're praying for healing, is should you use this scripture and, you know, should you do the laying on of hands or is it speaking the scripture, speaking the promise or spitting in the person's eye? Which one works? And my answer is really simple. All of them work because God is showing us that he is not limited to one mechanism or one method of healing. That's why the laying on of hands for the sick is one way of healing. But then the anointing people with oil is another way of healing. And then the prayer of agreement two of you shall agree about anything. That's another way of receiving healing and just asking God and receiving it by faith is another way of healing and getting medical attention is another way of healing and and uh, and eating better is another way of healing and exercise is another way of healing and laughter does good like a medicine. That's another way of healing. We can just go on and on and on. And what that demonstrates is it demonstrates the manifold goodness of God and the manifold wisdom of God. And you don't have to say, well, OK, let me get my checklist. I got to laugh. I got to have hands laid on me. I got to have oil. I'm, I got to have oil pouring down my head. I got to I got to get to get in the prayer line. I got to get two people agreeing. No, it's not a checklist. It is the manifold, abundant blessing and provision and many ways of accessing the healing power of the goodness of God. Can anybody say amen to that? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So. So. So what we have to do is we have to really identify, OK, these are some of the ways that you can access the healing gifts of God. And we can't get legalistic like I got to go through this checklist like I just mentioned. No, latch on to one thing that your faith is speaking to you about and one thing that jumps out of you and jumps out to you in scripture and grab a hold of it and don't let go. OK, but remember now, the other two things that Jesus heals us from and heals us of are he heals our soul or our heart, our mind to think, our heart to feel and our and our will to decide. He heals that. And he heals us, as we mentioned the other day, of who we used to be. He heals us of who we used to be. And I know that may land on you funny, like, OK, what does that mean? But we all grew up with certain worldviews, certain perspectives, certain ways of looking at things that are distorted and that are 
And so you have one aspect of your life where you have damage in your soul that God wants to restore you. He wants to heal you from bad memories. He wants to heal you from abuse. He wants to heal you from addictions. He wants to heal you from some people were born with addictions in their in their bloodstream, in their DNA, because their their mother or father was on heroin and they're a heroin baby, they're a crack baby or something like that. And that is a real uh, physiological problem that has to be dealt with and has to be corrected with proper treatment and many attacking that thing from many directions. And that's what I always try to encourage people when it comes to any condition, whether it's an addiction that they're dealing with or whether it's a family issue that they're dealing with or whether it's depression that they're dealing with or what anxiety they're dealing with. Attack it from every angle you can. Attack it from every angle. Like, why would I why would I not want to access all that is available to me? You say, well, come on, why don't you just say I believe God and I'm healed? Because a lot of people say I believe God, I'm healed and they act like fools still. (laughs) So I don't want to trust that. I'm not trusting those people. Believe God, you're healed, but also get some help. Believe God, you're healed, but get some counseling if you need it. Believe God, you're healed, but go to a doctor if you're bleeding. I can't stop this bleeding. I'm healed by Jesus stripes and you're pressing on, you're pressing on. More blood's coming out. You can you can confess that you're healed by Jesus stripes. But if you want to access that healing that you're confessing, get some stitches. Anybody, anybody with me today? Say, no, no, I'm going to believe God anyway. Well, it may take some you. You can believe God and that wound could dramatically, supernaturally, instantly seal up by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that could happen. But you might die before it manifests. So get some stitches. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to say I'm not trying to say don't believe God. I'm saying believing God is not does not is not equal to not doing anything else if that makes sense. okay. so so we got to talk about, of course, you know, my my life story is all about soul health because I've had so much soul sickness. So my my journey is all about recovering in my soul and from the damage that was that that I had that I grew up with that I developed in my life. So um, and that my sins and that my decisions and what others have, have, have done to me, all of that. But then we get into this where those things shape the kind of person you become. And God wants to heal you from the kind of person that you've become. Now, there is something really amazing about every one of us. But then there's something and I want to drill down here for the next, you know, the remaining time that we have I'll drill down and we'll come back to soul health. But I want to get you healed of who you used to be here tonight uh, a little bit. Um, and every one of us has something very amazing about our personality and our soul and our and our, the way we are and who we are as a person. But sometimes that's so hidden and um, and and it's 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 obscured by the the way we the, the way our flesh operates, the way that our our the damaged condition of our life operates, that it, it turns us into somebody that uh, we're not proud of. Uh, somebody that gets angry all the time or somebody that gets, you know, that, that gets even all the time or somebody that's get easily offended uh, all the time or somebody that 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 gives into bitterness easily. These th- this this shapes and and changes who you the kind of person that you are. And that's why I like to say God wants to heal you of who you used to be. And 
it's we really need to be intentional about it, like to be able to identify as a as a child of God, as a blood bought child of God, we need to be able to have confidence in the gift of righteousness that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God's not mad at you. God's not angry at you. God's not needing you to perform or needing you to change in order for him to love you, like you or to bless you. He approves of you. He loves you. He forgives you. All of that has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. All of that. You've been redeemed from rejection. You've been redeemed from uh, being separated from God. You've been redeemed from condemnation. You've been redeemed from guilt and shame. You've been redeemed from all those things. Um, So you have to have confidence in that in order to be able to in order to be able to be mature about where you're immature. Oh, I hope I can get this across to you that you have to be able to be mature about where you're immature so that where you're immature, you're mature enough to identify it and have self-awareness about your immaturity, self-awareness about your blind spots, self-awareness about the things that you do that are really ticking people off, everyone you come in contact with and are annoying and 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 you don't even realize it sometimes that you have to have self-awareness, which means to be mature about your immaturity. It doesn't mean that you don't have any immaturity. It's that you're at least mature about acknowledging it, recognizing it and then attacking those areas of your life. And I believe I'm among some leaders here that really want to become all that God created them to be. You don't want to just stay the way you are. But when you get touchy, And when you get fretful and resentful and angry and bitter and offended any time somebody gets close to identifying some immaturity in your life or some blind spot in your life, then that shows that you're not mature enough to handle your immaturity. And the only thing you need to do is be mature enough to handle your immaturity, which really all that requires of you is to be humble. Because the ultimate maturity is humility. Humility is the ultimate maturity. And this is what's so sad is that people that have no reason to be proud are proud. (laughs) People that have no reason to be arrogant are arrogant. People have no reason to be to act superior, act superior. The problem with the inferiority complex is it inflicts the wrong people. (laughs) You you probably have to think about that for a moment, but you (laughs) Where I'm going with this is that self-awareness and humility is really in my in my view, the path to any healing that you ever need. Now, I'm just going to give you a list. I mentioned this to you last week, but I'm going to go over this list real quick with you, because if you look at if you look at many of the significant healings of Jesus. And they weren't all just physical healing. Some of them were demonic deliverances. Some of them were oppression. Um, But let me just go through a a few of the list because it's humility to go to God, look to God and acknowledge your need for his touch in your life, for his healing in your life. It's humility to go to God on the basis of mercy. So mercy is when is when God is merciful to you. It's 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 like he withholds judgment and he gives you grace. So the Bible says that we can go to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So because mercy was such a well-known 
uh, attribute of God in the old covenant. Grace wasn't really an attribute that people understood until the new covenant. But mercy was prevalent in the old covenant because people deserved judgment because of their sins. And there was no blood of Jesus to to wash it all away before he came. And so they would go to God and appeal to him based on mercy. And a person who came to God on the basis of mercy was a person who was coming humbly, acknowledging I need your mercy in my life. So just a few examples, the two blind men in Matthew, chapter nine, verse twenty seven said, as Jesus went on uh, from there, two blind men followed him, crying loudly, have mercy on us, son of David. We know the end of that story. They got healed. Then demon possessed child in Matthew 15, 22, when we learn where where we learn healing is the children's bread is where the woman asks about her daughter and the Canaanite woman from that region came out shouting, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon possessed. And we know the end of that story. She was healed. And the epileptic son, the father in Matthew, chapter 17, verse 15, said to Jesus, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly and he often falls into the fire and into the water. Now, there are some translations that translate this in 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 a less accurate way than the original translation. I do believe that the new revised standard version of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 17, verse 15, describes this boy as having epilepsy. And that's a common um, disease that people have in the world today. And it's a disease that Jesus healed. We see right here in the new revised standard version. I don't know if we have that. You can see it. But the word is the word used there is he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. And of course, Jesus heals him. So we know the end of that story. He got healed. Another two blind men in Matthew, chapter 20, verse 30. Sometimes we don't realize some some stories are not repeated. Some of them are just multiple people with the same condition. And in this case, two blind men in Matthew 20, 30, they were sitting by the roadside when they heard Jesus was passing. They shouted, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd ordered them to be quiet, but they shouted even more. Have mercy on us, Lord, son of David. And we know the end of that story. They got healed. And then we have the Gadarene demoniac in Mark, chapter five, verse 19. But Jesus said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. After he was delivered, he was like, Jesus, I'm coming with you. And he said, no, go home and tell people what happened to you. He said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you and how he had mercy on you. So we know the end of that story. They were healed. Uh, he was healed. And then blind Bartimaeus in Mark, chapter 10, verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus, he came and shouted out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Notice the common denominator here. Every one of them appealing to God on the basis of mercy, mercy, mercy. We need to understand that mercy is a covenant word. It is the word Hasid in in the um, in the original Hebrew language, Hasid, which is it means an, uh, it means covenant loyalty. It means kindness and covenant loyalty. God doesn't heal us because we're so needy, because if that was the case, then everybody would be healed because everybody has a need. But he heals those out of his kindness to those that look for his kindness, that ask for his kindness, that seek his kindness, that seek his covenant promise, because it 
it is how we activate our faith. Our faith is in the kindness and the goodness and the covenant keeping loyalty that God has sworn in blood to honor. And when we go to him on that basis, that's how we are honoring the cross. That's how we're honoring what Jesus did for us. That's how we're honoring the precious blood of the lamb by putting our by, by appealing to him on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross, providing us with the mercy to receive whatever it is we need. So we know the end story with blind Bartimaeus and then the ten lepers. They called out and saying in Luke 17, 13, Jesus, have mercy on us. And of course, we know the end of that story, that all of them were cleansed. And Jesus even said, weren't there ten that were cleansed? Weren't there ten that were healed and only one came back to give thanks? All of them were healed, you see, because all of them came to him on the basis of mercy. And even the fact that nine of them weren't even thankful didn't stop Jesus from healing them. One came back and was thankful, but all ten of them were healed, which shows us we thanks is not something that we should use as some sort of trigger or some sort of uh, 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 some sort of uh, weapon or some sort of I don't want to say trick, but even even something that comes across more spiritual, like the formula to receive from God is to be thankful. No, no, no. It's not a formula to receive from God. Thankfulness is the reflex of gratitude for the fact that he would do all that for you without you even giving thanks. Mercy. Mercy and grace. Um, So. okay, so look. uh, Freedom from pain and healing in any area of your life starts with mercy. It starts with God's loving kindness. It starts with um, his desire out of his out of the abundance of his heart to do you good. You just look through the scripture. I am the Lord that heals. And he said, Lord, if it be your will, you can heal me. And he said, I'm willing be healed. In other words, out of the abundance of God's heart, his mouth spoke. So you only have to look into the scriptures to discover the heart of God is for your healing and for your recovery, because out of the abundance of his heart, we have scripture after scripture, which is the mouth of God. Right. The Bible is the mouth of God. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so no wonder verse after verse after verse is full of healing, because that's what God's heart is full of for you. Now, when I when I talk about how God wants to heal you from who you used to be, I'm reminded of a of a scripture in first Samuel 10. Let's look there quickly. First Samuel, chapter 10. And it's very powerful what happens here and some of the ingredients and some of the things that that occur in in Saul's life that turn him into a different person. And though in the Old Testament you had to you had to remain a different person in the New Testament. Once he changes you, once the word of God changes you, you're changed. 
You don't have to like maintain the change. Now, we, there are certain habits we need to maintain in our lives and there are certain characteristics we need to maintain in our lives, certain attitudes we need to maintain in our lives. But but what we have to do is is identify some of the things that contributed to Saul becoming a different man. And I want you to see this because he got healed of who he used to be. So in first Samuel, chapter 10, verse one, Samuel takes the flask of oil. He's anointing Saul to become the king of the first king of Israel because the people demanded a king. We want a king. We want a king. God said, OK, I'll give you a king. He's not going to be the best, not going to be the perfect dude. He's going to have some issues, but I'm giving Saul to you guys. And Saul was um, Saul had some issues. Well, we're going to see God was trying to be merciful to him and just as he is merciful to us and gives us chance after chance. And one thing I've noticed about God in my life is he gives me chance after chance after chance. And sometimes I don't take the first chance that he gives me. And that's because of a bad decision on my part or or fear or or my own selfishness or whatever is the reason. But yet God still gives me another chance and chance after chance after chance. And I don't believe that God's chances run out. I believe that our hearts get hard and our own desire for another chance or our own faith in another in another chance wears out. But God's or runs out. But God's chances don't run out uh, because he his mercy is new every morning and his faithfulness never comes to an end. Right. So that's a great verse. I love that verse anyway. So Samuel takes this oil, pours it on Saul's head and says, the Lord has anointed you a ruler over his inheritance. So it's not your inheritance, Saul, it's the Lord's inheritance. In other words, God is God wants to heal you. From who you used to be, not just for yourself, but for the people that you're going to be able to impact. We need to get a hold of that. There's always purpose to God's healing in our lives. And his his purpose includes you being healed of who you used to be so you can make a better and more effective and more powerful impact in somebody else's life. See, when you're damaged goods walking around, you're not of you're not of much good to people. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. What I'm saying is if you're acting and reacting out of your pain, if you're living from your pain, if you can pray from your pain and you can go to God from your pain and you can ask for mercy from your pain, but you can't talk to me from your pain and expect me to stay in a relationship with you. If you're constantly talking, I mean, me as a person, I don't mean me as a pastor, as a pastor, talk to me about your pain. Come one, come all. Talk to me about your pain. We'll get through it together. But as a human being, as a fellow person, I'm not going to be inclined to want to be in a relationship with you if you're always relating to me from your pain, you see. And this is why people have unhealthy relationships, because they relate to one another from their pain. If you would relate to people from your healing or just like be quiet (laughs) and and mind your own business. But if you're going to be in a relationship, you need to relate to people from your healing and from the from the healthy parts of your soul and not and, and keep the, the sick parts of your soul to yourself and, 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 and let that be a process between you and the Lord. I, I don't have time to get into 
how you live that out. But I think you can come to your own conclusions about how you can live that out. But let's continue and, and try to tie this together. When you go for me today, you're going to find two men close to Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. Now, behold, your father has ceased to be concerned about the donkeys. And now is anxious for you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on further from there and you will come as far as the oak of Tabor. And there are three men going up to God. Where are these men going? These three men are going where they're going up to God. It's a powerful phrase that he describes these men as three men going up to God. And this is what's really important in becoming um, the, the living out the new you and and being healed from the person that you used to be. You're already healed in your spirit, right? You're already whole in your spirit, but your soul is now catching up to your healthy spirit and to your and to the well-being and, and, and whole condition of your of your spirit. But notice one of the things that he says will contribute to you becoming a different person, because later in the chapter we see Saul becomes a different man. But one of the things that makes him that heals him from who he used to be is who he surrounds himself with. And um, some of you have heard me talk about this in this passage, but I want to say it again. It's very important that you identify that the people that you surround yourself with are people that have these characteristics. Number one, they're going up to God. Come on, help me now. He says they're going up to God. That's number one. Number two, they're carrying young goats, um, three loaves of bread and a jug of wine. You're like, I got the jug of wine, friends, pastor. I got that one down. Check jug of wine, friends. Yep. All my friends carrying the jugs of wine and some Jack Daniels. Glory to God. But (laughs) but what this jug of wine symbolizes is it symbolizes men who have a covenant with God and they understand the source of that covenant is the blood of Jesus. Okay, so they're carrying two loaves. They're carrying um, the they're carrying loaves, they're carrying wine and they're carrying uh, goats, animals for a sacrifice, bread because Jesus is the bread of life and wine because it represents Jesus blood. So what these are guys, these are people that are that are absorbed with this covenant with God. They're absorbed in their relationship with God. First of all, they're going up to God and they're and, and they're people of substance that understand what it means to have a covenant with God and how to share that covenant. They're going to share it with you. See, these are the people that you need to connect with. These are the people that are going to help you to be healed from who you used to be. People that are going up to God and people that have a covenant with God and people that understand that it is his body and it is blood and it is his it is his oath and it is his promises. These are promise based people, people that understand the promises of God, people that don't try to manipulate you, people that don't try to take advantage of you, but people that have a covenant with God, they know his promises and they want to share his promises with you. Those are the kinds of people that are going to help you get healed from who you used to be. Are you with me? And then he says, you shall accept from their hand. So we've got to be in relationships where where there's some mentoring and there's some some people that are that are offering us something that will help us, even if we don't understand it all. We, we need to receive it from their hand. 
We need to receive correction. We need to receive instruction. Look, I want you to grow. This has got to be Sunday was something amazing. Easter is is the new birth. It's a resurrection. It's the end of the death. It's a it's the burial and it's a resurrection. And and now that we have this resurrection life, how do we how do we maximize it? How do we really live this new life? How do we make this next season a better season than last one? How do we make this a better year than the last one? Is that man, you get a hold of of becoming healed from who you used to be. Maybe you used to be with people that aren't going up to God, they're kind of leveling off with God. Those aren't going those people are not going to help you get better than who you used to be. Those people are going to keep you right where you are. As cruel as it may seem that you would you don't self-righteously be like, OK, you're off my list and I'm not hanging out with you anymore and you don't you're not up to my level. It's not about that. It's about realizing that put your own oxygen mask on first before you can help somebody else get their oxygen mask on. They even tell you on a plane, even with your child, put your oxygen mask on first because you are of no good to help your child when you can't breathe. It may seem selfish, like most people are first instinct. Let's help the child first. And they can. How many times have they beat that into our brains? Put your own oxygen mask on first. Put your own oxygen mask on first, then help a small child by you. (laughs) Because our natural our nature is to is to help other people even when we're dying. And we have to get healthy so we can be of benefit and we can be a blessing and we know where to put the mask on the child. But we're not like delirious, losing a <sighs> here, kid. I don't know. OK, the kid may be three and doesn't know how to do it. You got to be of sound mind. There are so many people. Oh, I'm out of time. There are so many people struggling. Ding, ding. There are so many people struggling and so many people that are incapable of getting better. If you're not better, that you got to get better. Be healed of who you used to be. We'll just jump down here real quick to to verse um, verse three. He says, you shall go further from there to the oak of Tabor. And there you're going to meet these people. Verse four, and they'll greet you. Take what they have in their hands. Verse five. And then you're going to meet some Philist- the people. You're going to go to the hill of God where the Philistines are and you're going to meet some prophets that are worshiping. They're praising God. In other words, you got to get around people that are praising God. He says in verse um, in verse five, people that have got harps and um, and tambourines and flutes. And he's talking about prophets. And the best thing that a prophet can do is praise God, because if a prophet really knows the future, then he should be praising God. And if he's not praising God, I'd say he's a false prophet. Put that verse up there for me, please. Verse five. So people can see that. But uh, he says these guys are praising God, they're prophesying and they're praising God. And it says, then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you will prophesy with them and be changed. It says, and you will be changed into another man. Verse six. Look at verse six. He says you'll be changed into another man because why? Because you got you surrounded yourself with people that are going up to God, you receive the oil. We, we didn't really mention that one, but you receive the oil. And when you're hearing God's word every Sunday, every Wednesday, guess what? You're hearing you're receiving the oil. You're receiving the oil. 
then you're surrounding yourself with the right people. You're going up. You're surrounding yourself with praise. You're celebrating your and, and you and you start prophesying with the prophets. And it shall be when these things come, when these things, he says, come to you, when these signs come to you, do for, do for yourself what the occasion requires for God is with you and you shall go down before me and and offer a burnt offering. Then it happened. Verse nine, when he turned back to leave Samuel, God changed his heart and all these things came to pass. And when they when they came to the hill, behold, a group of prophets met him and the spirit of God came upon him mightily. So he prophesied among them and they said, whoa, I thought this was Saul, the son of Kish. And is he among the prophets? In other words, they no longer saw him the way he used to be because he no longer saw himself the way he used to be. And I just gave you some of the ingredients that went into him being healed of who he used to be.